Welcome to the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm author and host Kevin Hopkins, and today we begin Revelation chapter 7 together. Now, at the end of Revelation chapter 6 was the opening of the sixth seal by the Lamb. He has taken a scroll from the hand of God the Father who sits on the throne. It is sealed with seven seals, and as each one is opened, we we are transported closer and closer to the apocalypse. The sixth seal was opened. There was this great theophany, earthquake and darkening and all kinds of things happening because God is coming near. And the people of the earth ran into the mountains and into the caves and called for the rocks to fall on them and cover them up because they believed God was coming to judge them. But they've got God wrong. Now we turn the page to chapter 7 and we expect the seventh seal to be opened. That's the next thing that's supposed to happen. But that's not what happens. We, we get not one interlude, but two before the seventh seal is going to be opened. It's a device that the Holy Spirit uses through John over and over and over in the book of Revelation. Get used to it. About the time you think something's going to happen, nothing happens. There's a pause. There's another chance. There's a, a measure of grace dispensed. And the judgment is put off a little longer. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? People ask me all the time. When is Jesus coming back? Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? If he tarries, I believe it's because he's giving us more time. He's giving, he's giving us a second chance. Some of us, he's given us the 214,000th chance. But here, the sixth seal has been opened. We turn the page. And in chapter 7, verse 1, the Holy Spirit says this. John, writing about his vision, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, restraining the four winds of the earth, so that no wind might blow on the earth or the sea or any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east with the signet of the living God. He cried out in a booming voice to the four angels who were empowered to harm the earth and sea. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we seal the servants of our God with his emblem on their foreheads. Then I heard the number of those who were marked. 144,000 were marked from every tribe of the sons of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were marked. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. And from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were marked. Well, what's this about? Here are these four angels holding back not just the wind, but the harm from the earth, right? He sees these four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. The earth, of course, doesn't have corners, but you get it, north, south, east, west. From every direction that harm could come, these angels are holding back, first he says, the wind. And then he says, this mighty angel rises up from the east 
and he's got the signet ring of God, the sign of God. The signet was was the emblem on a ring so that when you put a wax seal in place, you stamped your ring into it. You pressed down on it with your ring to, to push the wax to seal the paper and to leave your mark in it so that everybody knew the message was coming from you. So that everybody knew that the message inside was coming from you. This is something I don't point out in the book. It got edited out in the inter- in the interest of, of saving space. But this angel has the signet ring of God. He cries out and he says, don't harm the earth or the sea or the trees. It's, it's interesting to me that the trees are included in each one of these things. Until we seal the servants of our God with the signet on their foreheads. Then I heard the number of those who were to be marked, 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe. 12 is the perfect number, the the number of disciples, the number of tribes. 12,000 is a multiplied perfection. And 12,000 times 12,000 would be just the ultimate infinite perfection. It's not meant to be a, a whole number. It's not meant to be exactly 144,000 will be marked and then the, and then all the rest of judgment will come. It's meant to say God has a number of people who are going to follow him and it is an infinitely perfect number. But when that number reaches fulfillment, then we can progress through the rest of the judgment because his people have been marked for protection. It's a it's a reference that calls all the way back to Cain. Cain, you'll remember, was the son of Adam and Eve. He had a brother named Abel, and Cain killed him. And God comes looking for Abel and asks Cain where he is. Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? God says, yep, you sure are. Where is he? His blood cries out to me from the ground, which tells you that God knew exactly where he was. God knows that Cain has killed Abel. What does Cain deserve? Well, he deserves to die. What does God do to Cain? He expels him from his presence, even further than his parents were expelled. But he marks him so that anybody who comes across him won't kill him. In that instance, he was marking an evil person for protection because the world doesn't like evil people. In this instance, in Revelation chapter 7, he's doing something different. He is marking his servants with his seal. He is pressing his emblem down into the wax that holds the document closed, holds it together. He's marking them with the mark that says, the message inside is my word. The message inside is mine. It's my word. They defeated him with the testimony with the word of God and the testimony of their mouths. You see, there's that thought again. Here's the word, God's seal, God's emblem being pressed into their foreheads, into their very lives as an indelible mark. How will you know that they're his church? Because what's inside is the message of God. It is his word. When they speak the witness of their lives, what comes out is his word. The word and their witness, that's what they're sealed with. 
That's what they're marked with. That's what keeps them till the very end. Remember, that's what he said to one of the churches in the very beginning. Because you have been faithful, because you have endured in my cause, because you have endured with my word, because it was the word and the witness that saved them. It's the word and the witness that mark this 144,000, this infinite factor of perfection. Then, then they will know that this is my people. Not because they have a mark on their forehead. It's really interesting to me that people have so abused the book of Revelation and said, oh, you got to watch out for that antichrist. He's going to put a mark on people's foreheads. And I've heard it's a chip. And I've heard it's a tattoo. I've heard all kinds of things. But the first person who marks anybody in the book of Revelation is God. And the first people who get marked are his faithful. His absolute full number of faithful people. Sealed and marked with the, with the mark of God. Do we ever say, well, these people are going to have a tattoo on their foreheads. We do not. We See how unevenly we apply the word of God? That's so dishonest. This is a spiritual mark. It is the mark of his word inside. And when, when they open their mouths and people see inside their lives, what they find is God. In the same way, you have to apply the symbolism exactly the same way. Those who take the mark of the Antichrist... What's inside them is revealed to be all the junk that replaces Jesus. All the stuff that speaks against his kingdom by replacing it with other stuff. That's what marks the folks who take the mark of the beast. It isn't a tattoo. It isn't a chip. It's their hearts. It's the fact that if you look inside, it's empty. Because they've done everything else to replace Jesus. But here in chapter 7, we see what I call the remnant. If you want to know how God works through history, look how he's always worked before. In the flood, he saved a remnant. He saved a part of what was already there. And he worked with that remnant after the flood. After the Tower of Babel, God still has a group of people through whom he works, his remnant. After every major event in the Bible, God still has a group of people, even when he has to call his own people in the desert between Egypt and the Promised Land. They disobey him, and he comes to find them in rank disobedience. And the Bible says the earth opens up and swallows up a good number of them. Who's left? the remnant with whom God is going to work. God has always found a remnant who would be faithful and worked with them. He doesn't change. The world is not going to end in some wild, crazy battle between the Soviets and everybody else in the promised land. The world is going to go on 
There are going to be wars and rumors of wars. There are going to be tragic things. There are going to be catastrophic changes in this world. And God will continue to work with the people that are left over who really believe in him because they're sealed. Because if you pop open the seal of God on their lives, what you'll find is his word written inside. If they speak out of the abundance of their heart, what you'll hear is the grace and the goodness and the forgiveness and the mercy of God. If they open their mouths and judgmental curmudgeonly junk comes out, they don't really know God. They've still got God wrong. Here's the real God. He puts his mark in the lives of, not just on, but in the lives of an absolute multiplication of perfection. The entire bunch of those who are going to know God. Does he know how many it is? Uh, probably so. Does he know who will turn him away? Probably so. Does he still give them the chance to respond and be saved? Absolutely. Is this predestination that he's marked those who are going to be marked and everybody else is just going to go to hell? That's not what this is about. This is about the fact that God is going to preserve everybody who will, whosoever will, get saved. And when it's done, that will be the perfect number. That will be entirety. See, that will be the whole group that's going to be in heaven. Will it be all of the universe? I don't think so. I think there's still a choice to be made, but God leaves that choice to you and I. He leaves the proclamation of his grace and goodness to you and me. He does not mark these people as the elect. He marks these people as his people the ones who will be safe, the ones who will be preserved through all tribulation, through all trial, through all hardship, through all manner of evil and death. These are the ones who are coming home when it's time. They'll come home at different times. Some are already there. Some are going right now. Some will go home far into the future. But God has a people, and he will not let this world come to an end until all of his people have come home, until the number is complete. See, there's that thought about the, the souls under the altar. He said, you just hang on a little bit longer until the number of your brothers and sisters who die for their testimony is complete. You could also read that sentence, the number of your brothers and sisters who die with their testimony is complete. When the number of people whose, whose lives hold the word of God is fulfilled, then wrath will come. Then the stones will fall on people, but not yet. He's giving everybody more time and he's saying, I have a people I have a remnant, and that remnant is going to be preserved. This is a message to you and I. Do you believe in Jesus today? If so, his word lives in your heart. His word is rolled up inside you, and you have been sealed 
by the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. His word lives in you and his witness comes out of your mouth and out of your actions. If not, you've still got time to fix that or refine that or pray that God would would empower and amplify that. But that's who you are by nature because Jesus lives inside you. You're already sealed. Whatever circumstance comes up today, God has you. Whatever hardship comes your way today, God has you. Whatever ugly diagnosis or bad news you receive today, God has you. You're safe. You're in God's hand. No matter how bad this world gets, no matter what it throws at you, the worst it can do is send you home. That's all it can do. If you got the worst diagnosis this afternoon of your lifetime and you're scared, that's perfectly natural. Now take a deep breath, fight the fight, and understand the worst that can happen is I go home. You can't lose in this world. Hear me. You can't lose in this world. You'll be given more days, more weeks, more months, more years, or you'll go home today. Either way, you win. Paul says, I consider that to be with Christ would be glory, but to live another day is also gain. I'm winning either way. That's the life you live today. You're winning, my friend. And no matter what gets thrown at you by the world or the enemy in this day, it can't do anything but send you home. You will go on here or you will go on home. And either way, it's a win. You can't lose. What would you do in your life if you understood that every decision, every circumstance, every action could not lose? You could take a risk and there was no way you could lose. I'll bet you'd do bigger things than you do now. I was talking to a dear friend of mine when I was writing the book. And I was talking to him about, what do you think heaven will be like? What do you think in the end we'll walk into heaven and think. He said, oh, Kevin, I've always said, there's going to come a day when you walk through those gates and you see the real truth of how it always was. And you're going, the first thing you're going to say when you encounter heaven is, I should have believed for more. I should have known that God was better. I should have known that it was like this. I think he's right. I think so many times we get God wrong. We sell God short. That judgmental, old, curmudgeonly God, he's not like that at all. That's not who's going to meet you in heaven. That's not what those, those cherubim are flying around talking about and those elders are falling down on their face to worship. That's not a curmudgeonly God. Who would worship that? That's not what millions and millions upon millions of, of angels and created beings and souls in heaven are praising. No one would praise a curmudgeonly God like that. He's a good father. He's the God that will turn whatever you do into a win. I watched a kid's baseball, a t-ball game the other night. And I don't even know the score. It was probably 20 to 5, something like that. Nobody kept score. They just hit the ball and ran the bases. And 
parents and grandparents were out there yelling, run, keep running, don't stop running. And, and at the end of the game, they got snacks. In the last inning, every kid on the field kept saying, is it over yet? Is it snack time? Are we done here? They didn't care about the score. They were there to play ball and have fun and have snacks. I hate to say it, but I think the kingdom of heaven is like a t-ball game. You and I are going to walk through the gate to a feast, to, to the adulation of millions of souls who've gone before and millions of souls coming behind us. Jesus is going to walk up to you and wrap his arms around you and hold you close and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you're going to say, but, 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 but Lord, I'm, I'm a dirty old rotten. He's going to say, no, 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 no. Listen to me. Good and faithful servant. And you're going to say, but Lord, that one time. And Jesus is going to say, I don't remember any of those times. I think they were forgiven. My good and faithful servant. If you knew how good it was going to be, you'd live bigger and bolder now. Well, I'm telling you, God is that good. God is that big. God has that kind of future for you. You can risk right now to live bigger and bolder, to overcome the hurts and the habits and the hangups and the addictions and the problems and the trials because you can't lose. You're sealed for preservation. You're marked for heaven. Live by his word. Spit out your witness because those are the ways you overcome the evil in this world. Live big and come back for the next episode. I'll see you then.